Welcome back, everybody, to the Elevated Edge podcast. For today's episode, I'm bringing on my brother, my trap house roommate, Blaze Aldridge. Uh, Blaze has just a tremendous insight for all athletes out there, and he's going to have so many great takeaways. So it's great to have you on the show, Blaze. How are you doing, man? I'm great, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's happy to see you again, and uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about the journey. Yeah, for sure, and I think your story is just really, really interesting. It's not normal, you know, like you went the JUCO route, you've had, you've transferred, you've done a bunch of different things, so like you're going to have a lot of different takeaways for guys um, out there that are trying to play professionally, just trying to get a chance in college, like there's going to be a lot of good stuff. So first, I want to talk about, we we were roommates at one point, and uh the place that we called was the trap house. Pretty much, it had roaches, you know, crawling against the wall. Like, we get cozy with them. You know, they sleep. You know, we tuck them in at night, stuff like that. But what's your favorite memory from the trap house? You know, it's hard to pick a favorite one, man, because that place was so full of memories. We did so much together. Like, overall, I would just say I love how, you know, we were really like a family when we were living there. You know, we, like, ate breakfast, you know, had movie nights. I whipped y'all on Monopoly a few times, but probably my favorite memories, I just went, it was you, me, and Bradley on, on Warzone, man, Get, getting after it. That was a fun summer. That was, like, leading into our, our junior year, which was all over the place. You know, I had a rough start, but, um, yeah, I mean, just being able to get on the game together and, you know, because you were on the far side of the trap house, and I could still hear you screaming. So, <laughs> yeah. Those are just some of my fondest memories, man. I miss the moments like that. Yeah, for sure. I think you, Bradley, and I just really grew close during that time. And I think not only just, you know, from that aspect of friendship, but really on the football field, like we were all training with each other. We got on Bradley a lot. I think now Bradley has really transcended into him, like, getting extra work now and I think that came from both of us you know staying on them and being like look like you're gonna be great but you gotta keep putting in work to be even better so um yeah but anyway for sure man trap house was awesome good memories we'll we'll relive them uh (laughs) some some ones that we probably won't talk about but uh let's start and talk about your story (laughs) story and basically I just want to talk about um like where were you from originally um, and then when did you start playing football? Yeah, so where I'm from is always a bit of a tough question. You know, my family is, is from the West Coast. I was born in California. Um, that's where we reside currently. But all through my childhood, you know, all the way up, up through high school, we were moving around a lot. But it was always in between Cali and, and uh, Florida, the Central Florida area. So... You know, I say I'm from L.A. because that's where I was born and that's where my family lives now. But, uh, you know, I, like, finished high school out in uh, Central Florida. So there's also a part of me that's from the South. Gotcha, man. So uh, can you talk about, like, when you started playing football and then, like, what did that look like in high school? Talk about how you weren't getting recruited and then transitioning into JUCO. Yeah, so for me, you know, football starts back before I could even remember. You know, my um, my dad coached my older brother, who's nine years older than me, and, and his peewee games and, and stuff like that. So 
Um, as soon as I could walk around, you know, they had me walking around with my dad on my brother's practice field. So that was how it all went up, you know, and coming up for it, looking up to my dad and my brother, my love for the game just grew, um, you know, until I ended up and I, I was playing football in, in Central Florida, um, really competitive area, you know, and I had some good years, but I just wasn't getting the recruiting that I thought I deserved, you know, I didn't have any D1 scholarship offers, you know, I had like sparing interest from, you know, those FCSs that do the like needs-based scholarship packages and stuff like that and you know I felt like I was a good player and you know luckily I had coach Mello we both know coach Mello he uh, you know he reached out to me and put me on to the idea of junior college because I didn't even know what it was at the time and, uh, he really sold me on that and I ended up taking a chance on that dream um, and coming back to California uh, my roots and, and playing some junior college ball there um, but you know for high school recruiting my experience um, I think it comes down a lot to just having people around you you know that have done it before you know and I was from a high school that wasn't very good before I transferred there they had lost like 30 straight games um, obviously had never sent anyone D1 with a record like that um, I didn't know anybody close to me personally that had ever gone through the process. Uh, obviously, podcasts like this and, and stuff like that weren't as big. So I was, you know, I was, I was under-recruited. I felt like I was never on social media, and I didn't really know how to get myself out there, which I, I feel like is a, is a big part of the recruiting game now and were things that maybe could have helped me at the time. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, too, you know, I, I was a little late bloomer. I was skinny. I, I needed the time to come in and develop as a player. So whatever it is, you know, I don't think junior college is ever a bad route for anyone. You know, if you're under-recruited or, you know, you need a time to develop or, you know, you just want to take that chance on yourself, I, I think it's, you know, even today with the transfer portal being what it is, you know, I still would encourage guys to, you know, do that and, and bet on yourself and, and be smart about it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think JUCO is a great opportunity. I'm speaking on, you know, going JUCO and stuff on other episodes, but I think the biggest thing is if you, got, if you go JUCO, you need a plan. Like, you can't BS around when you go JUCO because a lot of guys do, and then they just end up not doing anything with the opportunity. Like, you need to really be committed and making sure that you make the most of that opportunity, learn the playbook, go to all your classes, get good grades, because it's really not that hard to get good grades in JUCO. Um, you know, and if you need help, there is there is some type of resource that you can probably seek out if you really need it. And, you know, at ultimately ball out, too, because that, that's what's going to give you the – opportunity so when you get your opportunity you got to make the most of it because they bring in 150 guys you know and that's that is what it is and half the guys will actually end up making it you know just because guys leave you know some people get in trouble just some guys just you know there's a lot of different reasons why guys leave ultimately so that was some good takeaways for you know going juco so can you talk about you know your transition from juco to rice then yeah, and, you know, real quick on the JUCO piece, like you, you know, like there were 19 other linebackers when I showed up for camp, which is an outrageous number when there's two spots, you know. But, 
the overall theme about it is just trusting the process and like you said it is the plan and going through it so it's always just important I, I like that you said that um, you know my little brother's going through it right now so I'm going to reiterate that message to him but wait, wait, wait! Just transition. a because I want to add because you said nineteen linebackers. I remember we had thirty running backs for our uh, <laughs> summer camp for one position. It was so funny because they even said like over fifteen of the guys didn't actually even get a rep in when we were doing like seven on seven and stuff just because there were so many guys. But yeah, anyway, keep going. I just had that yeah. thought. Everybody wants to play running back and receiver. Y'all have time. <laughs> But um, when I transitioned to Rice, you know, it was it was crazy. It was, it was a big flip, you know, all of a sudden. You know, even guys like us, you know, who were have always been super disciplined and put in the extra work, you get to a D1, and it's just a different level than you expect, you know. Whole life scheduled out. You got to deal with all these hard classes at Rice now, too, and, and all that, so... It really just sticks down, I think, to the same thing you just said about having a plan. You know, when you go from JUCO to D1, if you're a serious guy, you know, you're somebody who has pro aspirations, like either one of us or, you know, even if you don't have pro aspirations, I still think there's a lot of guys that don't necessarily want to play in the NFL. But, you know, you never get those years as a college player back, you know, and you want to spend them, you know, going hard and getting some wins you know you don't want to look back on your college career and be like yeah I rode the bench and we never won so you want to make sure that you still have a plan that you stick to it um and you know just always communicate ask for help you know I I never needed help before Rice but and that that's a part of the transition going D1 that I think it's a lot of kids and that's why not everybody sticks is because it's harder than people expect you know it, it turns into a real job there's a lot of demands and then they they were just talented, you know, and they were able to get by without doing things like asking for help. Um, and then the biggest thing I remember about Rice when I first got there, he wasn't there when you first got there, but we had Pete Lembo, and special teams was just a beastie that, um, you know, I wasn't ready for. And I, like, think back to my junior college days, and, I like, I recovered an onside, and I blocked two punts, but I literally couldn't tell you, like, a single one of our special teams' game plans. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, they just called for kickoff and they took the first 11 guys that showed up. So it got really different when I transitioned to an organized, you know, Division One special teams level. So um, when you first go D1, man, I just want everybody to dedicate themselves to special teams. This might be the rice brainwashing sticking into me. You know, that special teams junkie mentality. But, um, you know, it's just something I always reiterate is stick to that, man. You know, trust the process. And um, the biggest thing about it, playing Division One football, is earning trust from your teammates and your coaches. And if you're somebody who just shows up and you're dependable, then you'll do that and it'll all work itself out. Yeah, and, and like you said, if, if you show up and you're dependable, I feel like they're going to find a way to put you on the field and special teams is a great way. And like not only is special teams important in college, 
special teams is really, really even more important in the NFL because, you know, most guys are the special team players because there's only so many, you know, Devontae Adams out there, you know, and just like the top, top guys that, okay, like they don't realistically play special teams, but everybody else on the edge or on the border or whatnot, like you have to play special teams and that's what can separate yourself. So I think that's really good. And you guys are hearing it right now from a two-time first first team all conference you know selection amongst various other awards that i can't even remember because you know i I feel like every week i was seeing something new for you man uh but uh (laughs) anyway you know very successful at rice is what i'm trying to say you balled out like you really you really could have left after you know your covid year if you really wanted to but you and probably the year before um to go to a league but you decided after the COVID year to transfer to Mizzou. So can you quickly just touch on what that looked like? Like, I know you led the team in tackles. And the biggest thing that you and I both wanted for Rice was to go to a bowl game. And you ended up doing that as Mizzou. So and I'm, I'm salty because I, I wanted to go to a bowl game. And, you know, never I, – I, I did go to a Juco bowl game. So, you know, and we won that. Um, but, but, you know, realistically – uh, like I didn't go to a D1 team, you know, type of bowl game. So can you just relive some of those moments real quick? Yeah, man. And, you know, like you said, there was a, a lot of controversy around the decision, I guess. You know, I remember talking to a lot of people close to me. I wasn't sure about it, you know, coming back, all these extra COVID year players and stuff like that. But, you know, ultimately getting a chance to – playing the SEC and and go to a college bowl game like those are experiences I could have never gotten back you know so I'm I'm glad I did it and you know they're a big part of building me who I am today and the bowl game and and all that stuff man it was sweet life was just different you know and I I remember it just it almost felt poetic you know um, about my journey because I had like gone through the whole Juco Rice thing and now I ended up at Missouri um, there were some struggles, you know, I, um, like got worked out of the rotation a little bit and then I worked my way back in versus number one, Georgia. Um, and then it, it came down to it, man. We were playing the university of Florida and that, that was the game we realistically had to win to get the bowl game. We had Arkansas the next week, but you guys played Arkansas. They were ranked at the time. They were having a pretty good year. So we said, Hey, Let's lock in on UF. This is our chance to win. And, you know, them being like a hometown college that had passed on me when I was going in to uh, college out of graduating high school in Florida, it just meant that much more to have a really good game against them and lock it in. Um, had some special, like, Mizzou moments where we got to, you know, pick up our senior rock from the hill and stuff like that. Um and then that just built into this huge bowl game, which ended up being against Army, you know, which we lost to. And I had unfinished business with them, too. So I was like, man, all this stuff is crazy. We had the Armed Forces Bowl, which was in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, you know. So that was cool, too. I got to come back to Dallas. I got to see Trey and all his family, uh, which for the people listening in that don't know, that's one of our teammates. Um and that was just really big um you know and it was a special moment you know the bowl game atmosphere was amazing all all the bowl activities but one thing that did make me a little upset was they took us to like this fancy steakhouse 
where they gave us one of those like wedge salads salads that were just the wedge of lettuce and I was like come on bro we gotta do better than this oh man you know it's just unique because you never um before the bowl game you know you never really get that much time to prepare for an opponent at the end of the season you know and uh, I was used to being home for Christmas, and, and this was late in December, so uh, it was something, something special, man. Those are amazing memories, unfortunately. You know, we, we didn't close it out. I remember, I mean, losing to Army and, and on the last second, like twice on those last drives is going to be haunting for sure, but um, I'm still glad that I even got the chance to make those memories. For know? sure. For sure, man, and really cool that you just kind of, you know, talked about the whole process and everything and a bunch of takeaways for people out there. And you recently actually played in the USFL. I know you joined later in the season, so really you didn't get, like, the full extent of the season, but can you quickly just talk about, you know, you got a pick, uh, which is awesome, you know, could have cribbed it. No, I'm saying, but uh, anyway. Uh, Maybe with some blockers. Yeah, yeah, you would have need, needed at least one or two blockers on that realistically. But, you know, what's what's the plan now for Blaze? Like, you played in the USFL, which uh, for everybody listening that doesn't know, that's like a professional football league that's just, you know, a transitional thing for guys to get to the NFL. Um, and, you you know, you got to play in that a little bit. So what what's next, man? Yeah, well, you kind of touched on it earlier, you know, talking about um, me joining late. And obviously, originally, the, the plan was the NFL, right? Uh, the, my coach, Kirby, at uh, the USFL, he called he called the NFL the machine, which I, I don't know, I really like. So I've started to refer to it as the machine. Um, so that was the plan. And, you know, with the COVID year, there are a lot of players, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that. Um, you know, things happen, and, you know, it, it didn't work out. And really, I kind of tie it back into the beginning of my journey coming out of high school. You know, like, I felt like a guy that was worthy of some Division One offers didn't get them, you know. I feel like a guy now that was worthy of some NFL opportunities didn't get them. But going back to what you said, it's just having a plan, sticking to it, and trusting the process. So I got the USFL call. Um, their starting linebacker had gotten hurt. They needed to bring a guy in. And it's like, boom, next day I'm there. Life completely uprooted. All of a sudden I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm trying to learn, like, a brand-new system, you know, because any, anything could happen. And this is something that you start to realize when you get closer to actually joining the machine and, and other leagues like that is roster spots are so much more coveted than they are in college. You know, so they only have like three linebackers, right? And that's not a lot. Like everybody's got to be ready to play. And you know, I come in and I'm on the practice squad at first, but I'm trying to turn it around real quick, get ready to play, um, learn the system. Felt like I did a good job of doing that. And luckily, you know, in the four or five short weeks that I was there, because I got there like right before the end of uh, week six. Um, so realistically, I wasn't going to play in that game with like one walkthrough practice, you know, unless somebody got hurt. Um, but luckily, I was able to earn my coach's trust and, and get an opportunity in the last game. And it worked out for me, you know, got an interception on a, a former first round NFL quarterback. 
um, didn't crib it, but didn't get punched in the stomach on the sideline. So there were some plus and minuses to it. I felt like I had a good game, but really the reason I was able to have so much success is because I just stuck to everything that I believed in and kept preparing, um, you know, kept watching film. Um, there's nothing like being the a nice thing about getting to the pro league from college is the iPads on the sidelines, you know, getting to watch the last drive. I really like that. I feel like that's a major tool that helps you come in. But just kind of touching on that, you know, because there's been over 30 guys from the USFL that have signed NFL contracts since it ended, you know. So I think that there really is a lot of parallel to it being the JUCO route to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, one of the things that I was thinking most about during that game, obviously, you know, I was happy, TFLs, tackles, interception, playing good on defense. But these roster spots for linebackers are, are hard to get, you know, and you got to earn them on special teams. So I just remember, you know, I was excited to be on KOR again, you know, because after you get – some awards under your belt they start to limit your special teams in college for some reason um so i was excited to be back on kor and just blocking my butt off on those kickoff returns on uh one of my double teams um we had a good block i was getting in the guy's head i was really enjoying that had a tackle on kickoff so i was like okay this is where i really feel like I'm starting to to help myself you know because the defensive stuff i've obviously always had that but, you know, I wanted to show that I could contribute a little bit more on special teams. Um, you know, they picked up my player option, which means a lot. You know, there's a lot of guys that um, want that opportunity, that, and unfortunately not everybody gets it. So um, right now it's just about training, staying locked in, you know, ready for an NFL call at any opportunity. But, you know, still potentially looking to be back with the Maulers next year. Um, hopefully this time, you know, I get to come in early uh, training camp and you know hopefully win that starting spot for the entirety of the season and then uh, be one of those 30 plus guys I got signed this year you know if that's what it comes to yeah yeah man and I think every athlete right now is just hearing the incredible story that you have of literally just staying persistent having a drive you know always keeping an edge on you because you never know when that opportunity is going to come so I think that's really the call to action for this episode is like stay hungry your time will come you don't know when it will but when it comes make the most of it so yeah man it was a really good you know interview portion and now we'll go to the exit interview where it's going to be really fast kind of rapid fire so what's your favorite book or podcast so my favorite podcast, obviously, I've been checking out The Boy of the Dream. Um, don't listen to a lot of podcasts besides you, so you should feel honored on that. Um, my favorite book that I read a lot when I was growing up, and I kind of first started this um, journey of being an athlete, uh, was called The Mind Gym. And it just talked to you a lot about your mental and, and securing things like that. And I don't think anybody should be afraid of proactively reading self-help books you know I don't think self-help is necessarily something where it's like I'm in a bad place you can also just look to better yourself and um, improve your mindset because I think our mind is our greatest weapon you know and the call to action about sticking to the plan um, was definitely there but I also think part of what my story shows is okay stick to the plan but also the plan gets blown up a lot you know and, and you can't let that deter you you got to 
have a locked-in mindset. You can't let it get you down, and, and you got to figure out a new plan. And you know, reading uh, books like that are really what I think have helped me. You know, reach a level where um, obviously, you know, I'm still human, and I have bad days, and when things don't go to plan, it has negative effects on me. But it's all about being able to bounce back and, and move on to the next thing. You know, yeah. and we did a lot of that uh, at Rice. You know, yeah, we were sitting one uh, one point in time at. Oh well, it was zero and six at at that point in time, and uh, it was the twenty nineteen season, and we realistically just had some. Uh, we were just, you know, we were going through it, and but we stuck to a plan. We lost three more, but then we finished the season by winning the last three games, and uh, you know that was something that was you know at least special to build off of. Um, anyway, the book will be in the show notes, so you guys can go purchase it on Amazon, check it out. So, what is the most important thing in order to be successful? Most important thing in order to being successful. Um, one one thing I'm gonna say is just opportunity, but that's not always in your control. Um, you know, I, I do truly believe that in the end, a lot of that stuff comes down to opportunity. But um, in on the flip side, on the things that we can control, I would just have to say you know never never given up you know because everybody's human and things are hard and everybody has a breaking point but if you can make yours a little after that guy in front of yours then you're then you're going to get it you're going to be successful and make it the most of that opportunity it's awesome so besides training like training you know for football and whatnot what are some of your hobbies uh i'm a really big gamer um Part of the reason we had to do this morning uh, is because there's like League of Legends tournaments this weekend, you know, so um, I'm big on that. Uh, I do a lot of stuff with my dad. Um, um, he does like real estate, so I've worked a lot with him on that, but also something that we've been bonding a lot more over lately is uh, older cars. Um, I have a uh, Super Sport Camaro. And uh, my dad's been going through the process, you know, like buying and restoring a, an old 67 Camaro. Um, so also stuff with, you know, muscle cars. Um, and then I, I'm a big anime fan, too. Oh. I, I got to throw that out. I, I was going to say, if you don't mention anime, this is just not right. But uh, I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, big, big anime fan. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I was going to really dig into it you know uh all the stuff i said is really just stuff that naruto taught me at a young age so (laughs) that that really folded my mind to just sticking to the grind and uh eventually making your dreams work and and becoming the hokage yeah that's that's good man so uh just for you guys out there just to follow blaze's story because he is pretty interactive on twitter and instagram so you can find him on instagram at blaze underscore akili and i'll put this in the show notes as well as twitter is at blaze akili so it'll be in the show notes you guys go follow him message him thank him for coming on the show because there's just a ton of takeaways and blaze is a wealth of knowledge he's one of my best friends so appreciate you having having you on man so thank you yeah, I was happy to come on. You know, as best friend, I was hoping it would come a little sooner. But you know, you, you're a big time guy. You've had some big time guests, so I'm just happy I eventually made the cut. <laughs> uh, I'm far from big time, buddy. But uh, anyway, also you guys can 
look at the uh, show notes because I'll have all the links to finding me and about the podcast and whatnot in there. And then make sure you guys like, share, comment, subscribe. Uh, Blaze's story definitely needs to be heard. There's a lot of athletes out there that need to learn what it takes to build grit, you know, to just keep working when things don't always go your way. And he's been at the top before. He's been that guy. And he's also been through struggles. So there's just a lot of good stuff that you guys can learn from his process. So thank Blaze for coming on to today. Um, Until next time, guys, take care.